Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 231. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Feeling good today. Had a nice interview earlier with a, a special guest. We'll get to that later. Getting towards the holidays and liking the fact maybe I won't be just shuttered inside with afraid of Corona. So <laughs> like to see the family and stuff. Yeah, lots of ski resorts have been opening this week. A lot more are opening next week, especially up in the Northeast. Ski season is finally kicking into higher gear, which is nice to see. Speaking of goddamn coronavirus, I know last week I was talking about my test I went on. I tested negative. My son tested negative. My wife and our two-and-a-half-month-old daughter tested positive. Wow. So this has been a week from hell, let me tell you. Uh, and I, I thought my son was going to be the super spreader too, because he was around the, the everything longer. Better. Well, he's also around the person who was the uh, patient zero for our group. Uh, and he was negative. I was negative. I, I don't know. On? You guys didn't get coughed on. He only coughed on the ladies. Perhaps I'm immune to it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I have some sort of super antibody. And I'm sure as I say this now, as all the stuff that's happened in 2020, I'll say it and then it'll just come back around and smack me in the back of the head tomorrow. And I'll be like down and I'm not gonna be able to smell and I'll have no voice. Uh, Interesting fact too. I actually talked to our buddy Rich from All About Upright, who we have not had on this year because of all this Corona nonsense, but him and I were on a, a trip earlier this year which we did a few episodes about turns out his whole family had it too. He had it. Like he was like, he said he was down for the count for five days. Wow. And he's like, you know, a workout guy. He's, you know, active, energetic. And he said he was just done five days. Mm. His wife, same thing. She was down for four. <laughs> One of their, their daughters had it. It just, yeah, it's just crazy how it just affects people differently. The vaccine is on its way. Yeah, weird, weird, weird happenings with this whole crazy, thing. crazy stuff right now. But skiing is happening. Snow is happening. That's the more important thing. And the second most important thing way before coronavirus is that we are tweaking the podcast a bit. Mm. We're changing out the format. So if Trying you're here, just we're just moving the knobs and dials a bit. We're not you know, doing any big, massive changes. What we are doing is we are breaking it into two podcasts. So if you are a listener and you go, you guys are great, but you talk way too much about non-ski stuff for the first half an hour. Well, you are in luck then, friend and listener, because we are going to go into the app right today, but then go right into the ski news. No stories, no anything, just what we're drinking. Quick little recap, boom, into ski news, main topic, end that podcast. And then we will have the under the ropes version of the podcast, which will be the gondola, the under the ropes, any apre today stories that we have. So maybe another apre, apre first half. I don't know. It could be a double apre. It we're could not be sure. A, yeah. We're just doing this now. We just started this today like most people would go you know what we'll try something new in the new year we say we do it now we're not waiting to monday to start our diet to exercise we're doing it now we're changing right. the podcast right now because you know what who knows if we're going to get 2021 2021 what's next right it can't, it can't be that bad right i'm not saying it 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything anymore. I don't know if the sun's going to rise in the north tomorrow. I don't know if rain is going to go from the ground up. I just, I just don't know. It's all crazy craziness. I'm just going to wake up and try to be the best I can be every day. So every that's day. the plan. So we're tweaking the knobs and dials. So now. We're not sure how we're going to do the releases, too. We're probably going to release one first, and then the next one a few days later. We'll figure that out. But just want to let you know, if you did like the Apre today, or you liked the Gondola and the Under the Ropes parts, we're not getting rid of it. We're just breaking it out into its own separate podcast. If you do subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all those, it's going to be the same feed. It's just going to say... Instead of this will be podcast number 231, the next one will be under the ropes number one. But it's all going to be the same feed. You don't have to change anything. You will get it all. And you can decide what parts of the podcast you want to listen to. It's a good idea. Yeah. We'll see we'll if it works. Idea. Give us feedback if you like but it or don't like it. Skibumpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Podcast. That's the important stuff. And skibumpodcast.com, our website, has all the information. That may get tweaked and evolved a bit too. We have some other fun things in the pipeline that we look to share in the next couple of weeks that we're, again, really excited about. Some great guests. Had a great guest today. Great interview. Thank you again for listening. We do appreciate it. Again, if you want stickers, hit us up. Skibumpodcast at gmail.com or Instagram DM us. Those are the best ways to get them so mario let's kick off this new version of the podcast the way we always have it's time for our prey today broke out of the box so i'm going through the bavarian beer advent calendar which is a challenge i mean i can't drink every day i just i, I won't do it so what i've been trying to do is pile them up and drink them like three you know wait three or four days and then drink them all at once <laughs> 31 beers. Well, I guess what? 24 beers because it's an advent calendar. Right. Beer day. A lot of beer. I mean, it says, you know, one day is not bad, but they're tall boys too. You know, like 16 ounces. What I have from my beer of the month club now is something from Gilgamesh Brewing Company. So wait, you have an advent calendar and a beer of the month club. Yes. I got both of those things coming in. I'm like, it's a flow of beer. I'm like, you don't realize that it, it's a lot. And then it starts piling up in the fridge. Well, that's I, the thing is the space in the fridge. Yeah. I mean, you got, cause you can't obviously just leave it out cause they ship it cold, right? No, actually those I can leave out. So oh, I, did, I took half the case and I just, and they signed me up for a case. Like it was a gift. I was like, that's, that's really nice. So I took half of the case, which is they do four, four and four of the, or four. I have half in the fridge and I put the other half on the shelf. So it's waiting. Okay. It's in the stock room. Stockroom. But yeah, so Gilgamesh is in Oregon. The one I have now is called Doug Ferocious. Doug Ferocious. Gilgamesh. Nice. Had a good rating on Beer Advocate, I saw. And it's good. It's a uh, double hopped IPA. It does drink like a double. It's a little, little harder, a little harsh on you. But it's good beer. Tasty. A little sweet. Nice. It's a good one. So it's double IPA, you said. Yeah, there's a double IPA. So it's about 8.7, they say. 8.7. Wow. All right. That's a humdinger. That's a humdinger. You know, add that with uh, some pre-beers and 
a gummy. Uh, oh boy. Whew. This you is know. why this is the cool thing about if you're into the under the ropes podcast, because we're going to keep it together for this one. Yes. And then the under the ropes sort of goes where it goes. Right. We could be skiing down the mogul run naked Shane McConkie style. We'll find <laughs> out. That's why you got to listen to both. That's right. All right. What do you got going there, Brian? I went back to my stash from September, my big treehouse journey. And wow. that was a really fun trip. And I bought a lot of beers and I haven't drank them all yet. Obviously I've actually dialed my drinking back a lot the last few weeks, especially with this whole COVID thing going on and having it in my house. I got COVID in my house. So yeah. I'm trying to be very smart. I actually cut out a lot of sugar, cut out a lot of beer. All the fun things about the holiday season, I have been cutting out. I've been healthy, but miserable. So how do you clean your house out after COVID? You don't. You open a window, a little Lysol. Hope Lysol. for the best. Yeah. Or you take the kids and your wife and you set that thing on fire and come back later. Well, Andrea's actually been masking it around the house. Like she's wearing a mask around the house. That's good. Which is, it's good, but weird. I got to tell you, it's a little bit weird. Dude, I think we should all be wearing freaking spacesuits. Well, I'll just wear like Breaking Bad, cooking meth, full body suits. Next time you go to Costco, just put on the, the spacesuit. I saw a guy in there with like an old World War II like gas mask walking around. I'm like, look at this dipshit. Just, you know, I was like, like, no, no canister in there, like no filter canister, just like <laughs> breathing in through the mask. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, dude, just put a regular mask on. Like you're creeping people out. Yeah. So I am rocking a treehouse, very green. Nice. Now this beer, very, again, very just like sweet hops, like just mm. delicious. I mean, there's so much citrus going on here. Mm. The pinky's out. The pinky's out. Oh, I mean, I don't even know what other words you describe it besides like oh, double IPA also. Super smooth, super flavorful, hazy. Let's pour into the glass, shall we? Let's take a little look, see what this bad boy looks like. Not nearly as dark as some of the other double IPAs you're going to get. Well, I guess it's a little bit, it's getting darker as more goes in the glass because that's how physics and chemistry work. I mean, it's just a, a beautiful color of orange there. Mm, it's hazy. Nice and hazy. That was actually a very nice pour too for kind of backhanding it around a microphone. Hmm. Give that the old reach around. Ah, uh, and it deserves it. Untapped is giving it a 4.6. That's, Damn. that's, I believe that that's about right. And it close to yours, not quite as much, but it's coming in as an 8.3. Wow. It's got some pep to it. According to untapped, it opens in the glass with huge notes of ripe pineapples, pithy citrus, and dank, saturated hops. I mean, it's just so delicious. Everything Treehouse makes, IPA-wise, is just awesome. Yeah, that, that's like an institution, that place, right? Well, I waited in line for an hour just to pick up the beer. Damn. After ordering it online hours before. Hmm. You got a wonderful little business going on there up in Massachusetts. Treehouse, dynamite, as always. So that wraps up the app rate today. Let's go to ski news. So news out of the Alps. There's been some crazy dumpings of snow there. So much so that there was an avalanche that killed one skier in Switzerland as the snow pummels both 
Switzerland, and Austria. An avalanche killed one skier in Switzerland, and Austrian authorities issued avalanche warnings Tuesday for the country's mountainous east after days of heavy snow pummeled the region. Hard-hit East Tyrol and other parts of the Austrian Alps. Several roads were still closed in Tyrol, and some valleys were cut off from the rest of the country. Electricity provider Tinets said 4,000 homes lost power after several electrical lines were snapped by snow or fallen trees. Wow. So they also got hit hard in parts of Germany and Spain. The Swiss canton region of Nidwalden said one off-piece skier among a group of five people was killed after getting caught in an avalanche Monday in the Titlis area south of Luzerne. Rescue teams were not able to resurrect the 23-year-old Swiss citizen after he was pulled from the snow. A 23-year-old German man was injured Monday in Austria's Hanenkam skiing region in Tyrol when he went skiing on a closed slope. Mm. He was taken by a rescue plane to a hospital in Kempton in Bavaria. Now, I went back to our interview with our friend Clark a few weeks ago, who is a a big backcountry skier out in Colorado there. He said he will never go with more than four people in his group. Hmm. And there's several reasons why, but this guy was number five in that group. Uh, one too many. It's one too many sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the only details they have in this article. That uh, was that he got, you know, caught in an avalanche. Uh, no other details. Unfortunately, especially 23 year old, like it's, mm. it's, it sucks when you hear something like that. Uh, they're saying that the avalanche warning was a grade three after exceptionally heavy snowfall over the weekend. Higher elevations had 20 to 32 inches of snow over three days. Damn. And again, early season, you don't have the base, you don't have the pack. Right. Things are a lot more delicate. So, but again, people are jonesing to get out, especially after the kind of summer with COVID and quarantines and lockdowns that, you know, you just have to be extra careful out there. And that goes for everybody, everybody anywhere right now. It's still early season. The, there isn't all the, the, uh, the base level snow isn't there yet. So right. let's be extra careful out there. Be a little more careful. All right. Next up we have winter park. Colorado changes derogatory and offensive chairlift name. So when I first read that, I was like, I was looking for something really like, but uh, I didn't realize, you know, so uh, this season they changed the potentially, potentially derogatory name of one of its oldest chairlifts, the Eskimo Express. They installed it back in the sixties and it was henceforth known as the Explorer Express. It was changed to Eskimo Express which they're saying connotates barbarism and violence. Oh, they're, they're saying, I'm sure with hindsight, they'd also have changed Corona way. I guess that's one of the names of their runs. But they were, they were also doing a review to see if any of the other names were offensive. This is an, an unfortunate consequence of what the kind of world we live in right now, where you pretty much need to go and research what is derogatory today. Because everything changes so, so quickly and so differently. Yeah. Now, one thing that was interesting here is that they said that the term Eskimo was considered derogatory and racist uh, by non-native colonizers. They said many people also thought it meant eater of raw meat, which connotated barbarism and violence, like you said. 
But now they said there's a new theory. And according to the Alaska Native Language Center at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, linguists believe the word Eskimo actually comes from the French word Eskimo, meaning one who nets snowshoes. Netting snowshoes is a highly precise way that Arctic peoples built winter footwear by tightly weaving or netting sinew from caribou or other animals across a wooden frame. Hmm. So it's possible that it wasn't derogatory. A few people made it derogatory. And because a negative is always greater than a positive, the negatives won and they had to change it. Of course. Right. So that's always how it goes. Yeah. If something is truly offensive, go ahead, change it. I'm not dying on this hill. That's for sure. People locked up with too much time on their hands are going to find a problem with everything in this day and age. What we, I really hope we get this vaccine into people so we people can go out and just go start living life again and not sitting around trying to find things to complain about. Yeah. Everybody's hooked on social media and just sitting there waiting for somebody to say something to pounce. Yeah, that's really on edge. It is. Everyone's trying to like point the finger at somebody and be like, oh, you said that you're a horrible person. You're a racist. You're a Nazi. You're an asshole. Like, fuck you. Hey, man. I, I didn't I didn't go through my list of things that are offensive today because I'm busy living a life and raising a family and going to work, going to three jobs. I have things I'm doing. You know, I, I don't I don't have time to keep up with everything that's offensive today. Yeah. Because it changes so it quickly. Changes. Yeah. Tomorrow it'll be it'll be uh, forgotten and not cared about. And there's some new thing that they're worrying about and fighting for. Again, you know, it's and, truly and then there's the, yes, he changed it, but was that yeah. were there people protesting this chairlift? Was it really that big a deal? I don't know. I don't know. I don't no. know. Again, I'm not dying on that hill. If you want to change it, God bless you. Call whatever you want. <laughs> That's right. But again, be warned. This is a slippery slope. It's only going to get uglier if we keep doing this. Can you imagine they start analyzing like all their, their runs and they have like, you know, the, the Hitler, uh, <laughs> the Hitler run and, and like, I, I can't know. believe Adolf extreme. Why do we name it this? We better change that. <laughs> yeah. Just like all sorts of just messed up stuff. Pedophile yeah. row. Like just, <laughs> did you never realize the names? We no, just we just kept reprinting the trail map and not really thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's becoming a sport. Being offended is becoming a sport because every other sport is being canceled now. Yeah. So if people have the, more time on social media. That's why. If this is the way you want to live your life, you're going to be a sad, miserable person for the couple of years. You're still on this planet. Oh yeah. Going and finding flaws in everyone else's thinking and naming and wording. How about this? They're getting crazy over there in France now too. France. French, yeah. French ski resorts sue the government over order to shut lifts. France's winter resorts are taking the government to court to keep ski lifts operating over the year end holidays, with the country's highest administrative legal authority hearing arguments on Wednesday. The government has said mountain resorts can open over the holidays, but that ski lifts are to remain closed. Hmm. With President Emmanuel. Macron favoring a reopening in January to reduce the risk of new coronavirus resurgence. Wow. Ski resorts and mountain regions have decreed the measure, which they say is unfair and threatens to wipe out billions in revenue. 
Domaine Schiebel de France, which is challenging the decision, could face an uphill battle after the Council of State on Tuesday rejected an appeal against the nationwide closing of bars and restaurants. The pace of COVID-19 infections in France is rising again, putting at risk a government plan to lift a lockdown next week. While stay-at-home measures helped bring down cases in November, they've risen after some restrictions were eased at the end of the month. We want to save the height of the season, which is notably around the holidays from February to March. Junior Tourism Minister Jean-Baptiste Lemon said in response to parliamentary questions on Tuesday, therefore, it's necessary to postpone the start of the season. France's winter resorts typically have annual sales of around 11 billion euros, $13 billion, with the year-end holidays representing 20 to 25% of the revenue. So they shut down 20 to 25% gets wiped out. So you're looking at what That's big three, hit. two to three billion dollars they're gonna lose if they stay closed. Mm. Yikes. Industry groups and members of parliament for mountain regions have called the government decision incoherent and arbitrary, citing packed metros and trains that are allowed to run and have proposed a range of health measures to allow the downhill skiing season to start. Lemoyne said, ski lifts create a lot of mingling, which is what we want to avoid. (laughs) (laughs) Germany and Italy have similarly closed their ski resorts while slopes remain open in Switzerland and Austria. The Austrian village of Ischgl became famous during the first wave of the pandemic in Europe with cases in 45 countries linked to partying skiers there. Hmm. In France, meanwhile, the industry continues to plead its case. Yeah, they're saying, too, that the uh, France France's hotels, restaurants, and bars whose appeal was rejected on Tuesday fear they may lose about 200,000 jobs unless they are given better and faster financial help as well as the reopening date. Wow. So this is, you know, you, you want to just tell people, yeah, open and go and get out there, but it's it's a fine balance right now that they're trying to find and You know, it seems like what we're doing here in the States seems to be a pretty, I don't know if logical is the right word, a a smart way to to open things up, to kind of consolidate things, limit numbers, reduce capacity, and, but at least be open, you know? And again, you you, you don't... Makes a huge difference. I mean, that's your community, you know? Yeah, it's tough to, it's tough to put money above lives, but it's, you know, one of those things they have talked about during this whole pandemic is when you look at people's lives, just being locked up, the financial, the mental cost, the societal cost to keep people locked up and not seeing their friends and family and doing the things they love, that can lead to depression and suicides and, you know, financial loss. There's so many other pieces to it that it's, it's really hard to just say, okay, well, we just have to keep everything closed. It's just, mm. it doesn't make sense. You actually had a trip planned to France, didn't you, for January? So, yeah, I don't know. I think I might have talked about this, but yeah, I had the uh, trip to uh, Valtherens and they're not opening. They said the the resort is actually going to be closed the week that I was supposed to be there, uh, and they're opening the week after. So they're opening like after January 17th or something like that. Ugh. Yes, so I had to cancel my trip, and looking at going anywhere, like there's – 
either the states or the resorts are getting a little crazy in this whole fly out to somewhere and, and get a hotel for a few hundred dollars a night and you might not get a, a ski lift ticket. That is a big part of the decision of like, where do I try to go? So needless to say, haven't planned anything else. You know, we're going to hear those stories though, aren't we? Around the holiday yeah. season where people, yeah, booking their trips and going uh, out there and no. being denied lift. You're there on a, right. You're there on a five day trip. And if you're only going to ski two days, you could have come in for a three day trip and save the extra $300 a night, $200 a night at a, at a hotel or something, you know, and you're going to buy a pair of touring, touring skis because that's yeah. going to be your only way to, to get into the mountains. It's crazy. I'm sorry. You have to get in shape to go skiing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I just wanted to sit on the lift. People are going to get in great shape, I think, because they're going to have to to do some touring, do some hiking up. Well, they're getting so fed up that people are actually, you know, biking and being outdoors more, which is good. But it took, you know, a, a lockdown to make people start appreciating the outdoors again, it seems. Dude, our friends at Skeezy hopefully be crushing it right now because yeah. it seems like the skeezy this is like their time they should have come out with like triple production doesn't it seem like this is the time for a skeezy that would be the time I mean, oh, they yeah. are charging five thousand bucks for one but Worth. it really it's does like a little work. helicopter that you can use all day yeah they're saying pre-order now i think it's been pre-ordering for a while i don't know what those folks are up to they were our first big interview. Yeah. yeah it was like, it was like two years ago. Yeah. Those guys are pretty good. All right. So that's, what's going on in France. Speaking of being safe, speaking of being safe, Snowbrains had a, had a quick little article about face masks, which ones are best for skiing. Um, and you know, they, they talked a little bit about, you know, preventing droplets when you travel and it's safe for you and other people. So, you know, what about what you wear for skiing? So they're saying buffs and gaiters, which a lot of people wear because they're easy to pull up and down. And when you're skiing, you know, it's pretty easy to have them. They're saying that those are worse than wearing no mask at all because it aerosolizes, makes the droplets smaller, making them easier to inhale through other masks. And it found that yeah, they, they basically provided no risk to, you know, no infection risk. So they're still saying wear a double layer mask. That'll prevent the droplets from coming at you. The single layer ones, buff skaters, bandanas are actually detrimental to infection risk. And they talked about that flame test. That seems to be something I know I've seen a bunch of those on Twitter and, and YouTube. To test your mask. Yeah, to test your mask. So what you do is light a match or candle. With your face mask on, move your face about six inches from the flame, then blow hard into your mask at the candle. If the flame stays completely put, you have a fantastic mask. If the flame wavers slightly, your mask will probably do the trick, but still try to find a better mask. If the flame is extinguished, your mask is not good enough to stay safe at a ski resort. Hmm. You know people aren't going to... Well, that's at the resort. When you're outside, you shouldn't be that close to anybody that's outside. It's, your it's really the lifts, the gondolas right. inside. The yeah. Places, the lifts are just putting one pot on at a time. Yeah, that's true. You know, your group of four, you good. You're right in the lift. You know, nobody else, they're, they're not putting the singles with you anymore. 
Yeah, one of the comments too in, in the article says that they make buff style ones with a pocket for the mask type mm. filter. So you could actually put in like a regular, you know, I don't know, like an N95 or a surgical mask within the buff, which is kind of nice. Oh, that is pretty cool. But I guess it's really just a matter of, yeah, preference. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to see how we're going to handle this. But I think people need to be really watching out for, you know, what they're wearing. I mean, are the lifties, like, how are they going to enforce that? Are they going to pull you aside? And, and if you're wearing like a single layer, like a buff of it, is that going to be good enough? Because it seems like everything they were saying, as long as you have something on, like that's going to be enough. Yeah. Well, I guess, but those, those other, the buffs really go tight on your face mm-hmm. and they, they actually make like, they expand all the fabric. So it's, it's really like you're breathing through nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know my favorite mask, the one I have, it's, you know, like the balaclava style that you can kind of pull up and down. It has like a little, it's it's not a hinge, but it has two separate layers. So you have the tight part over your head yeah. and then the part that's the mask is like a separate piece over the part that's on your head. So you can kind of just pull it up and down, which is nice, but it has holes in it for breathing, which that's going to be not, not allowed. Is any sort of hold mask. I don't know what I'm going to even do. I have a couple other ones that I that I have used in the past, but most of the ones that I have have like ventilation in them. Yeah, I mean, it's really for while you're skiing. Now, after, I would just say bring one of those masks that you wear around, you know. Like a surgical mask for the lift and then take that off and put on the other right. one for skiing. Yeah, but if you're on the lift, like, like a lot of them are saying, you and your group only are going to ride the lift. They're not going to you know, combine people, well, then you don't even need a, um, you know, you don't need a, a heavy mask on the left. It's only when you go into the concessions and the bathroom and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say have one in your pocket and just switch it out real quick. Yeah. Cause yeah. your other mask is going to be hot and it's going to be sweaty and you're probably going to want to take it off. You're going to want to have a couple with you at all times. That's, yeah. that's definite. Have a couple different options. Also, you're going to have to see what works for you. I know the shape of my nose, it doesn't really permit me. Certain masks just don't stay on my nose. Like those, uh, was it serious or serious? Those neoprene ones. I could never get that. The nose would would never stay on for me. Um, Like I said, those the one I have is from Spacecraft. And I think I have three of them. I absolutely love them. It's my favorite one. But again, it has the holes in it. So I can't wear that. I have an Under Armour one, which is a similar style with the balaclava style. And mm-hmm. that one doesn't have air holes, but it also is so warm and it like fogs up my goggles because it's, oh, it's a great fit, keeps you warm, but it's, it's just too much. But that may be the one I'll have to go with. Or like you said, that's probably the smarter move is wear the one I like, but then put a, a regular surgical mask on or something before I get on the, the lift. And yeah. Or Call just when you're going in for uh, you know, pee break or a, a you know, get something to eat or if if anything's open, right? You need like a bane mask or something, like something or something magnetic, something you could just like pop on, pop off. Problem is gonna be the ear hooks, because you know, say we are doing it the way you're talking about it, where you have the balaclava, you pull it down, you gotta put your other like surgical mask with the loops on the ears going to have to take your helmet off. It's going to be like a whole big thing, a big production just to put on your mask. Yeah. I would say that's just a switch 
to go into the resort. But on the left, I mean, you should be either with just the people you came with or by yourself. We'll figure it out. We're going to, this is going to be an evolving story, kind of the way protocols and procedures are evolving over the season. I think we're going to figure out what works best and what's most comfortable as we get into the season. Yeah. All right. Next up. Now this is fun. So we are in the age of Corona. We are in the age of COVID and we talked about Mario and his lack of trip. Mm. Our buddy, Nick, he's up in Seattle. His big resort he'd go to would be Whistler. You know, nice little four hour drive up there. You're in one of the best places in the world to ski. Goddamn borders closed. So that will not be an option Mm. this year. So the good folks at Heli, not Heli Hansen, H-E-L-I, Heli, it's those folks who have the $100,000 unlimited Heliski pass, they put out an article, which is pretty cool, about you know Canada, Europe, Japan are closed to American travelers. So what do you do in the U.S. if you're looking for a badass trip and you want to stay away from the resorts? which is a big one. So here's what they came up with. Number 10, Jones Pass Guides Single Day Cat. Located just 45 minutes from Denver, this is an easy way to escape the crowds at Vail and take your group ski trip to the next level. Operating at 12,000 feet plus elevation, higher elevation and northern exposures result in deep blower powder for days after a storm. Jones Pass Guides has access to 2,600 acres, which means you have an epic private playground to explore. Jones Pass Guides operation is ideal for quick access from the front range of Colorado to quickly find yourself on the snow without hours of driving. Wow, that's pretty nice. It does sound pretty awesome. Next up, number nine, Pacific Crest Snowcats. Tahoe, here we come. If you are located in California, this is one of the best options out there. Pacific Crest Snowcats is California's only snowcat-accessed private backcountry ski area. With over 3,000 magical acres hidden in the heart of Tahoe, you'll be enjoying deep tracks and some West Coast Bluebird Days. Just a three-hour drive from San Francisco. This is an ideal option for a weekend mission. Number eight, Great Northern Powder Cats. 20 miles north of Whitefish, Montana, but deep in remote terrain, Great Northern Powder Cats strikes the perfect balance between truly wild and having easy access to amenities. With a wide range of terrain options, ranging from trees, burned over areas, cleared out open areas, glades, pillows, rocks, shoots, you name it, they've got it. As a bonus, GNPC has a private cat option, which can combo multiple cat days with a night stay at the remote yurts. Nice. So these are also pretty baller. These do sound baller. Number seven, Park City Powder Cats, Powder Bird, Utah. This is a great option if you are looking to do a Park City, Utah vacation with a twist. Skip the crowds at Park City Mountain Resort and Deer Valley and instead opt for the backcountry. You can head out to Park City Powder Cats in the Uintas for a couple days to enjoy a private cat on their private acreage. Then, as the cherry on top, grab a day with Powder Bird and get picked up by a helicopter in town and flown deep into the Wasatch. All this while staying in a cushy pad with access to world-class restaurant takeout or a private 
in-house chef. Hmm. This nice. is truly a luxury stay with a la carte backcountry skiing options. That sounds pretty awesome. Number six, 11 Sopri House. For those seeking cat skiing combined with a luxury lodge stay, 11 is the ideal choice for you. Located in Crested Butte, Sopri House is a stunning four-bedroom chalet decorated with that elegant mountain property feel. The property has a sauna, hot tub, and fire pit in the courtyard and a private cabin-like bar so you can have a private apres even if the bars are closed. Wow. Each, each morning, you'll be picked up by a private snowcat and dropped off above a thousand plus acres of exclusive ski terrain in nearby Irwin. I kind of wish it had price tags on this. <laughs> Number five, Silverton Mountain Guides. Located in the old mine town of Silverton, Colorado, Silverton Mountain Guides offers a variety of packages which combine helidrops and guided skiing days in the expansive open resort. Silverton Mountain is more backcountry playground than traditional resort. Isn't that what you really want this year anyway? Number four, Alaska Backcountry Guides. Now, Alaska seems so funny because right now, you know, you talk about the borders being closed. If you're in the continental U.S., you have to get across Canada to get to Alaska. Mm, yeah. Right? But somehow it's okay. So if you were in the continental, you could just go to Alaska. No big deal. Number four, Alaska Black uh, Backcountry Guides. Small group Alaska heliskiing at its finest. Just two groups per helicopter allows ABG to provide a tailored and intimate experience. There is no secret that Alaska is known for its heliskiing. The only decision remaining is who are the few lucky friends you're going to bring along. Number right. three, Valdez Heliski Guides. The amazing Chugash lines you see skied in movies are real, but the majority of our runs aren't nearly so death-defying. Geology has smiled on the Chugash. Glaciated mountains rise at improbable angles and between their ridges hide endless couloirs, natural pipes, broad faces, and powder hoarding bowls. Wow. And of course, the scenic glacier runs you'll find nowhere else. The magnitude is unbelievable and many runs are 3,500 foot uh, vertical feet and some of them double that vertical. <laughs> If you're able to keep a controlled run on the inbound steeps of a major resort, then you are ready to have the time of your life in Alaska. Wow. So I actually am on their site looking at the pricing for these. Yeah. Starting at about 5,900 bucks. For which one is that? So that is for the seven day traditional package. Um, then they have a, a seven-day double load. I guess you go up twice. Is that for that's, Alaska or is that for? That's for Alaska. That's Valdez. Okay. Valdez. Valdez. Yeah. Uh, they're saying 110,000. For 110,000? Right. So I guess you go a lot more in the same day. You have more drops or something. Very interesting. Whoa. Seven. Oh, that's group membership. Double load. Right. And they have the single load one too. Mm. Seven day traditional package. Wow. Yeah. This is something you have to really study it a little bit more before. Oh, you know what? You pay for your group for, for people max. 
So it's 110,000, the double load for four people. Okay. Well, two people, it's the same price. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. That's the total. One person's the same price. You got your buddy in the backpack. You like, you like a little person friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter. You can bring up to four. So yeah. you got three and you meet, you know, a buddy or a, a, a girlfriend you want to bring up. Boom. You're there. So for that $5,900 one, you get 4.2 Hobbs hours per ski group of four. Huh. I don't know what a Hobbs hour is. I'm sure it's like helicopter operating something. Oh yeah. And they say, if you want more, it's, you can pay 4,000 bucks an hour. Huh? Not included is the extra hours, the bar, the massage, the retail and the gratuity. Oh, that's not included. Not included. Yeah. So this is stuff you have to look into. Maybe the 110 is like all inclusive. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have the link in the show notes if you want to take a little bit further dive into this. And if you need a couple extra people to help fill your helicopter and you have the cash and you want to pay for us, keep on podcast at gmail.com. We're we're happy to fill your heli for you. Just bring us along. We're, you know. We're kind We're of wonderful here. company. We're wonderful company. That's for sure. Oh yeah. We'll make you laugh. We'll do what we got to do. Number mm-hmm. two, Ruby mountains, hella experience. Some have gone as far as to call it paradise. While other notes that it could be the best kept secret in North America until now, whether you ski or ride Ruby's 200,000 acres of pristine wilderness provide limitless terrain for any age or skill level from wide open bowls to heart racing fall lines. We're certain that you'll find the experience of your dreams. Hmm. Now is this in Alaska as well? Because, Oh, it's in Nevada. We're in Nevada. Look huh? at that. These, these are like 5,700 bucks too. Yeah. Nice. Those are totally doable. Cool. And then number one, the best SIBA boat based heli skiing. That was this cool. is no ordinary heli ski trip. Hop aboard a small cruise ship armed with the tools to take you heli skiing wherever your heart desires. The weather and snow conditions are not meeting your requirements. The boat can move as many as 100 nautical miles while you sleep. Want to explore without burning up all your Hobbs time? Step outside to catch the northern lights from the hot tub. Many things will go through your mind when you get off the helicopter. A view fit for royalty, yes. An opportunity to pioneer new runs. Most likely, you won't see any signs of human habitation at all. A feeling that can make the spirit soar. Well, that sounds super awesome. Yeah, they have, uh, their things are, I'm seeing 112,000 for eight guests max. 112,000. Okay. So like 20, actually, no, no, eight is about 10, 12, 12,000, 12, something like that. That's kind of awesome. And then you gotta just, you know, you gotta tip on that. Right. 
So with that, you get six nights in semi-private room aboard the yacht. Hearty gourmet meals and snacks. Uh, seat in the helicopter for seven days. Dedicated guide. Required avalanche and helicopter safety training. And required equipment. Though we recommend bringing gear you are familiar with. Yeah. So it really is very inclusive. I like how they have like the packing list on all these and they have all that stuff. Oh, that's so cool. Stay on a boat. Yacht to Yurt. Yacht to Yurt. That's it right there. They should rename the Zenith Yacht to Yurt. Well, there's a few more days left. Not too many. March 6th through 13th, March 13th to 20th, and March 20th to 27th. That is it. Eight guest max. So if you guys are at six, need two more. Be right on it. Yeah. We'll even chip in some gas money. Yeah. Help get us there. You can help out. We'll help out. We're good like that. Our word is our bond. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, last up to wrap up the ski news, we have Black Crows. They created a, the very first nest de- dedicated to ski touring in Chamonix is where they created it. Sunday the 12th, which is this Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday the 12th, this Saturday. And it will be in Chamonix at 9.31 a.m. They will open. So ski poles, technical wear, demo skis, backpack skins, hats, yeah, they're based out of out of Chamonix. So I guess this is kind of their way of I wanted to find more information about this. I got an email. I'm on like the Black Crows list. I love their skis. I guess they're setting up almost is it like a touring operation? Or is it just a shop? This is I mean, a shop. Like I went to the link that was in the uh in the original email. Yeah, was it was it an email or tweet? Because I couldn't find the direct link. I think it was an email. Yeah, and then the link took you back to the shop, which is a special part of the special shop that they have. Because you got to think, if they're going to have a shop dedicated, they're going to have to have you know instructors or guides or lessons or something. I mean, that really maybe they already have that, but it's cool that they're actually opening a store because you know a lot of these you're seeing so many retail operations shut down or minimize and, and focus on being online. It's cool seeing a small company like that actually open something up. Yeah. Because they're because they're they've been exploding the last couple of years too. Like their stuff is it's top notch, man. You know, the, the crew over there that's you know the actual Black Crows guys, like they're you know, they're super, super legit. I have a pair of their skis. I've only skied them four days. It breaks my heart every day. I look at them, but they are they're so much fun. They're dynamite. One of my next pairs hopefully will be another pair of Black Crows. So it's cool they're opening the shop. Maybe we'll have to make a trip to Chamonix once this lockdown has been lifted. I'd love to go. I'll go be, we'll go and be offended by all the names of the trails. Yes. We'll pick them all out. We'll start, we'll protest at Chamonix and we'll complain about all the names of the, the trails there. Yeah. No, we'll protest there about the names here. Even better. Better. Yes. And now we're going to roll into our main topic. There's no way to segue into that with that, with our discussion. So we had an interview with our new friend, Alyssa Jacoby, and she is a journalist for Boston Magazine. And she came up with a great article, which is COVID versus the ski industry. And it talks about New England and what a lot of the different resorts and towns and states are doing to, to fight it. And, you know, we've, 
well, they're fighting the, the disease, but they're also fighting to stay open and to stay viable, which is going to be really tough this season with all the restrictions and lockdowns like we've all been talking about for weeks and months now. And as we've talked to a few folks over the last few weeks from, you know, Shannon from Ski New Hampshire and Adam from Ski Vermont, the resorts are all sort of in the same boat where they don't know what's going to happen. They have their list, they have their plan, and let's open up and see how it goes. But she put together a really nice article and had some great quotes in there. So we talked to Alyssa about her story, and we think you'll all really enjoy it. So here's the interview. We have another very special guest. We have Alyssa Jacoby, who put together a great article for Boston Magazine, bostonmagazine.com, called Let It Snow. And, you know, it's been a topic that a lot of folks have been thinking about and it's constantly evolving and changing, talking about what is life going to be like on the mountains in New England with COVID, with the restrictions. So it's a fantastic article. And Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us to talk about it. Yeah, thanks a lot. So how did the whole uh, topic come about? And how did you get to write this article? Uh, like a lot of articles that I write, it was it sort of came out of my own interest. Um, this Boston Magazine worked several months ahead. So this was something that we were looking at in the summer. And, um, and actually, it might have started when I was still trying to figure out when my bike that I had ordered in April was going to arrive. <laughs> it's still not here. Um, oh, and started, really? Yeah. What kind did you order? I had another bike. Um, actually, I ordered two, a Specialized and a Cannondale, just to see which one would come first. And neither one has shown up yet. So um, we don't know. Are they uh, road bikes or mountain bikes? or Hybrid, I got. So. Hybrids? Mm-hmm. One of my buddies was ordering. Uh, I think a bike. I can't remember. <laughs> it was so long ago, right? <laughs> now, our buddy, uh, one of our buddies, Steve, he actually checked this week, and they were telling him March is when they'll be back in stock. Oh no, really? I, I mean, like, I guess wow. I don't need it till then, anyway. So. Well, all the it's bike makers are apparently buying yachts now and going to San Tropez for the winter time <laughs> because they're, they're not. They're not working. Yeah. <laughs> They're good. Sorry to interrupt. Um, so yeah, I think it was you know just sort of looking at all the numbers of people who were getting into bikes and and uh, the, the growing numbers of people who were hiking for the first time and 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 doing you know out, a lot of outdoor. I, we had a I I had biked but not in the same way that I had this summer. So uh, just started to think about what ski season was going to look like and whether or not as you know we were heading back into the fall, whether if you know if and how it looked, uh, with, with COVID, if we were going to be able to get it back out on the mountain. So, um, I did start reporting this story in August when a lot of mountains had started been thinking, you know, about it, but didn't really know a lot. Um, Yeah. It seemed like a lot of the mountains too, were almost like kind of dipping their toe into what it was going to be like with their summer operations, you know, with the bike parks and, you know, there's like, well, if we limit capacity, if we shut down the lodges or cut it 25% capacity, what's it going to be like? What are our numbers going to look like? can we make this work? Um, At least that's kind of what, you know, we've gathered as well. So how do you think based on the folks you've talked to, how are the resorts kind of feeling in general going into the season? 
I mean, I think it changes all the time. I think people are nervous. I think in August, when I first spoke to people, um, there was a lot of trepidation, a lot of sort of worst case scenarios and just hoping for um, maybe a break even season. As things started to progress early in the fall, um, people, skiers were expressing interest in getting equipment. People were starting to buy season passes. Those programs were looking strong. There was a little bit of hope. But of course, you know, as we've seen, the numbers have been increasing. Uh, people are starting to come back inside. Schools are starting Starting to shut down a little bit, so capacities are being reduced. I think that people, you know, resorts are uh, we're expecting this um, and expecting sort of a let's see how it goes um, sort of thing. But um, I, I think there's there's still some nervousness um, for the resorts and also for for skiers. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff we've heard from some of the, I guess, like Ski Utah, Ski Vermont, things like that. Uh, they they actually. It's it's difficult too because they want to make their rules, but they also have to follow the lead of you know the states, like the state rules yeah. and, and local jurisdictions. So, that's part and of states it. for all of these things don't always know. I mean, they're they're sort of enforcing capacity right, things in mass. So, um, right. where a lot of a lot of and we've seen this with other kinds of fitness that's indoors, which would be you know sort of small small group gyms would say, well, we shouldn't be lumped with the large group gyms because we do this in a different, but the states just don't have the ability to, you know, go so specialized with that. So I, yeah, a lot of, a lot of resorts are, um, and their restaurants and their capacity for the lodges are, uh, have to have to go by the guidelines for the states. And with skiing in particular too, what gets very tricky is, um, is the, you know, the, the sort of the border restrictions and, um, and visitors, um, who, because skiing isn't, um, you know, people want, if they want to ski and they want to buy a pass, they want to go every week, but to be able that becomes unrealistic for States who, you know, which have quarantine regulations or which require you get, have, you know, have a negative COVID test to be able to have people, you know, do that back and forth. It's you ski in a different way than you take a summer vacation. People want to do it again and again. Yeah. I know we were talking to, um, to Adam White from Ski Vermont. And that was one mm-hmm. of the things they brought up. And he was saying too, that, cause we asked him number wise, like what are the number of out of state skier visits you have? And he said like 75 to 80%. Yeah. I mean, that's significant. Yes. You know, uh, and again, how are, how are they going to make this work? And we're kind of joking with him, but not joking. We're like, did you guys ever think of maybe just investing in a rapid test system and put it at the border and just be like, you know, almost like when you're going up to Canada, you got to drive through right. and have a test there, quick test, pull to the side, 15 minutes. Yes. Yay or nay. You're going back or you're, you're, you're welcome. Because yeah. it seems like in this kind of year, that's a great idea. That might be something that makes a lot of sense just to get, again, get these people in there, get their, get their tax dollars because the resorts, the state, they, they're They depend on that, especially with the last season being cut short, yeah, summertime sure. visitors being cut down. Yeah. The sad thing too is that I think that I mean there's a lot of states where um it's you know it's it's been difficult to get a rapid test uh, if not impossible. So I mean I would say that if you get to get a rapid test and go skiing then um you know you sort of get a two in one you'll get all over an island in in one weekend. Yeah. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you think um again the folks you spoke to going into the season what resorts have the most to gain or lose in this because you know you definitely have a huge variety of resorts in New England. You have the little local mom and pop, you know, 300, 400 feet of vertical versus, you know, the Killingtons, the Sunday Rivers, the Loons, the big giant ones. Do you think any of them are are, are in a better position or worse position? 
Yeah, I mean, I do think the day trip mountains are in a better position um, because I think that they, you know, were sometimes either the sort of the last res- resort or, you know, the, the last minute afterthought. Um, there's definitely some exceptions, but um, there would be, you know, sort of more beginner mountains, something that people wouldn't, you know, be saving up and baking a lot of their, you know, spending a lot of their money going to. But I think this will be a season where people will rediscover the mountains that are in their backyard or in their own state um, by necessity, have a great time sort of figuring out, um, you know, remembering these mountains that maybe they skied when they were growing up and um, and stopped skiing in favor of going someplace farther. I think all of New England, you know, does have it. You know, there is it is tricky, you know, with crossing state lines. But a lot of New Englanders, the weather here is so unpredictable that in the last couple of years, people have um, it's been there's been a real sort of down um, downhill, so to speak, um, trend in, in, in booking ahead of time in new England, just because the weather is so unpredictable, people are, you know, more and more banking that time and their money and going out West for a more reliable week. So they're not going to be doing that this year. Uh, and instead, you know, we'll stay here and then maybe using that week or two weeks time to, um, to go someplace, you know, that's still in a different state than that one they live in, but, um, not out West. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, you mentioned too the small mom and pops that people often drive past. I know Mario and I have mm-hmm. talked about it before. We had, we had a Doug fish from the Indy pass on a couple of weeks ago and the Indy pass, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, it's the $199 yeah, yeah. pass mm-hmm. you get the two days at a bunch of oh, right, yeah. resorts. He said their, their numbers, this is back in November were up 600% from last year. I mean, wow. it's only the, yeah. I think it's only the second year they're doing it, but you know, this is actually giving those mom and pop resorts a fighting chance. You know, it's, it's yeah. like you said, getting people back to the mountains they were on when they were kids. And I know for myself, yeah. you know, we, Mario and I, we did share houses at Mount Snow and Killington mm-hmm. and we love those mountains. But last year I got my two-year-old son, who's now three started skiing and I've took them to a bunch of the small places that we often just drove past and didn't even think about. And now we're getting a chance to rediscover those and I'm rediscovering it with him. And I'm looking forward to going to more of those small places. You know, we have indie passes, go into a lot of those little resorts and, you know, supporting those mom and pop hills and and get them fired up because without them, at those feeder hills, we're not going to have Killingtons and Mount Snows and Sunday Rivers because you're not going to build that love and that excitement and that desire for those week-long big mountain trips. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I know I was talking to um, the guys at Pat's Peak, you know, who sort of talked about, you They're know, on and, yep. yeah. And, you know, he's like, when I was growing up, I, you know, we like drove the family station wagon, we booted up at the car. We, you know, like went back to the car with our bag lunches, you know, that mom made and, and we ate in the car. And he's like, it's going to be a lot like that, except, you know, this year you can you'll still boot up at the car. You can order pizza on your phone that you can take back to your station wagon or your SUV. But, um, but it, it is going to be a lot like, um, you know, sort of rediscovering that again, because skiing has gotten very fancy and, you know, and it's had to, but that's very expensive. Um, yeah. I mean, we were talking expensive. about that earlier, me, Brian, and another person, we were chatting all day on, on just about the cost of everything. I think somebody wrote an article where they broke down the cost of, a, of an out West vacation. And, you know, for a family of four, they're like, it, it totals up to about 10 grand, you know, I mean, it's huge. Yeah, It's crazy. It is expensive. Um, and I think, you know, the average ticket out here, I think, you know, when we, I ski mostly East Sunday River, Sugarloaf, when you don't get a pass, it's, you know, it's a hundred, maybe 129 bucks. We went to Jackson Hole last year and a day pass was $175, which is yep. just tough. You go with a family, you know. Like and, a kick in the chops right there. I mean, you know. Hurry down Corbis. Right? Well, right? <laughs> but like, it's got to, you know, you do get it. 
you know, you're like, do I, do I buy another car or do I go on a ski vacation? <laughs> and when you start with that, you know, like I could have bought a jet ski for the price <laughs> for that price. Yeah. Yeah. You go down Corbett's, you go, you know what, if I don't make it fine, I'm done with skiing. I paid enough. Yeah, I've got no more money left anyway. Yeah, yeah I, I did love the comment in your article about the uh, the seventy two station wagon as a base lodge. That's kind of yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of funny. But yeah, that's that's what it's going to be. And you know, again, you, you got to find the positives in all these circumstances. I'm pretty sure people are going to find really fun ways to to use the parking lot and to have a good time, socially distance, be smart about it. But you yeah. know, because that's what skiers and snowboarders do. Like you know, right. we love fun. Like that's why we do yeah. this stupid activity. If you think about it, we go to the top yeah. of the hill and slide down and hope to survive so yeah. we're, we're people are going to find a way to make this great and fun and i think these small hills i like you said they're going to have a, a fighting chance again this year which is going to be really nice to see i wonder if the station wagon will make a comeback that'd be pretty cool to see right station wagon yeah. start rolling into these ski areas yeah well you know what there's been a big uh you know a big resurgence in those old suvs like the old broncos and wagoneers and stuff they're, they're if you looked at what broncos like 70s broncos go for it's ridiculous. They've gone up so much in price. I've seen so many like old Wagoneers now that I, you know, it was on Breaking Bad as like a, the joke car that Skylar White had. But yeah. now they're they're super in demand now. People restore them and make them like beautiful and shined up the wood. And yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see more of those in the parking lot. People hanging out and showing off their their wagons. Well, especially if you can't get lodging, if you're not booking early enough, you know, a lot of these places, if they're not allowed to, you know, go to capacity, if they're at, if hotels are at half capacity, I think Vermont is now you know, some at the, um, at Spruce Peak, I know they're actually at, which is at Stowe at the mountain. Um, they're at full capacity now. Um, I don't know if that will last. Um, really? but, um, but it is about I think, capacity. Like they're allowed to have as of a couple, yeah, as of, as of a couple of weeks ago. Wow. So, um, it's, wow. it is changing all the time. So this failed um, paying people off there in Vermont. Maybe yeah. <laughs> open. Maybe. We don't know. We have the same. They, don't, they don't own it's the lodge. So the lo it's, they're totally different. So the, the mountain, it's confusing the mountain. And oh, the, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, but they got a guy there, though. Vale's got a guy. They, they, got, they a got, guy. got a guy. Definitely. Yeah. They got a guy everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But that is another thing. I mean, another thing that was that I think has been, you know, throughout the country is, you know, real estate is hot. Real estate is very hot um, in ski resorts. And, you know, a number of people who started to think early about getting something, a rental for the season. Um, or wanting to buy something where, you know, inventory is pretty low. And you I want to hear the aftermath. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you mentioned, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, can I go first? Yeah, you go. Sorry. You mentioned too in your article, you mentioned uh, about like RV sales. And I wonder too, like, are some of these resorts going to allow people, I mean, you know, and there's like legal issues and insurance issues. Like, are they going to let people with their RVs park in their, in their, their parking lots and stay overnight? Yeah. I don't know. That is a good idea. Probably like a resort to resort issue, you know, whether they're going to allow that or not. Yeah. I think it will depend on whether or not. Yeah. If that's, if that's how they get people there. Um, I think maybe, you know, they'll, they'll try to, you know, encourage people to book at the mountain, obviously, because they still have those vacancies. Um, but, um, but a lot of the longer term rentals um, had a lot had been pre pre-sold and pre-booked. I think there'll be a lot of opportunity for covering, you know, stories about the aftermath of this. There's going to be people that have wonderful times that didn't expect it. And then the horror shows where, yeah, I thought I'd live, move to the mountains, but I forgot about snow and how much I hate yeah. shoveling. And there's going to be a, a little bit of both. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. The um, one thing I, in your article, um, they highlighted the the comment, you can pretty much bid adieu to Apre Ski, that comment. Um, it's interesting. So one of our friends posted something on Instagram with all these um, 
uh, clips of Apre Ski, and I was like, yep, that's not coming back for a long time. Yeah, the hot tub, can you imagine right now? It'll be different and hopefully better. You know. I think so. I mean, there. Are, I think places are getting creative. Sunday Rivers, you know, it's doing something where, you know, you can order on your phone and have something delivered to wherever you are across the resort just to, you know, encourage people to spread out. But yeah, like you're not getting 50 people in a hot tub and, you know, sort of the 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 classic rock band. <laughs> you know, somebody's going to bring a, a trailer hot tub to the uh, to the resort. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the oh, thing. Oh, that's it's, actually a really good idea. Right in the parking lot. Big marketing idea, <laughs> big trailer, flatbed, a couple hot tubs. <laughs> There's got to be a way to do it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's tricky because I think people are going to, as you said, you know, continue to have fun and sort of make, you know, make their own things. But, uh, and there's a whole lot of college kids who are, you know, not in school. So they're going to be up there. But but still, you know, it's only, it's only going to take one or two incident it's gonna take one incident at one mountain to you know sort of lock it down put everyone down so i think you know you want to be mindful of that yeah and that's that's, that's, people ruin it for the rest of us that's kind of what everyone we've spoken to again too i like ski new hampshire ski vermont ski utah are saying and they're concerned about is that yeah one small group could ruin it for everybody and when you look at the northeast we're not exactly known for being the most non-selfish people so no fingers are crossed yeah (laughs) Uh, so you kind of mentioned like resorts being creative uh what are some of the most creative ideas you uh, you heard about in, in doing your research for this article um i think that i mean a lot of well jp has their you know fifteen thousand dollars i don't know if it's fifteen thousand dollars still um but their relocation vacation um which was selling um 130 days in uh, a cottage uh, private cottage with your ski passes for four um, and that was to encourage people to commit to the to the mountain and for the season and also for a lot of people who were interested in, you know, maybe uprooting the family or could do that. And a lot of people can do that right now. Um, and when did that start? Was that like in the summer that you, you so got that to was, move in? Uh, it was, it's for the season. So the ski season. So it's, okay. it's, it's the, you know, this, not just the weekends, but, you know, sort of you can do it. Instead of looking, time, right? Yeah. Did they get numbers with how many they've sold? They had sold just as as of actually, I did a second story for the Boston Globe magazine and um, and that was reported just a month ago. And so they had sold, I think there were 72 available and they had sold all but 14. That was as of just a couple of weeks ago. Wow, that's really good. So I think that, you know, they're hopeful, but yeah. yeah. It's an interesting concept where you, that's like the resort actually taking control and doing something like a share house, right? Where usually share houses are kind of on your own. You got to know somebody or meet somebody that has one and get into one. And it's a little more formalized. This is pretty yeah. interesting. You know? um, a couple other things I watch you sit mountain in Massachusetts is um, I had been thinking about selling uh, passes by the session. So in order to keep capacity um, and, and letting people in, you know, as many people wanting to go, they were going to do, you know, couple hours in the morning or a couple hours in the afternoon. So, um, so that, um, I think everybody's being creative with, um, what they're doing with their food and, and everybody, you know, sort of installing new, um, w- windows that, you know, can go, um, directly, you don't have to, you know, that you can order from the outside or you can pick up your food from the outside, a lot of different kiosks, um, everything's, there's going to be like pop-up lots of stuff. Yeah, it seemed like uh, outdoor like space heaters and plexiglass were the big the big ticket items for this fall for the resort yeah. to, to get yeah. ready. Yeah, I like that Wachusett idea because I know you know, skiing my little guy last year. We went to uh, Mount Southington in Connecticut, 
and they sold four hour sessions. Cause again, it's a, you know, it's a small hill. And if you're not kind of going in and out and spending an hour and a half at the lodge, maybe going in for a cocoa break, if you're just going to hammer it out, four hours is probably plenty of time, especially on a smaller mountain. You know, you can go in there, you can do your thing, go up and down and then be done. And again, for the yeah. resorts, they're not going to sell it at half price. They'll probably sell it at 60, 70% price of a full day lift ticket yeah. and may actually benefit financially by doing that. It's actually a great idea. Yeah. Well, so. and it's, it's going to be more open, right? Because they're, they're limiting the number. So hopefully you're not sitting on a, on the lift line as long as you would. So you're getting more runs in, you know? Yeah. Very cool. So any other ones or are those the, uh, um, I think ones? lessons are, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of mountains are getting creative with lessons and doing a lot with, um, family packages. So making more affordable things that would have, you know, maybe been a specialized private or, you know, small group lesson, everything has to be small group now. So letting, um, family siblings doing, you know, parents and kids, um, and that, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, small, um, Sunny River hired a bunch of new instructors just so that they could have a, you know, small ratio to, um, to teach as many people as who's who wanted it. Yeah. I was, I've been looking at lessons, uh, for my little guy again. And, uh, I was looking, Stowe is charging, I think like 250 or 350 bucks for a private lesson. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, wow. whoa, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's heavy. Um, Again, I know they're they're trying to make up and, and yeah. find ways to, to make a few bucks, but I was like, may have to try somewhere else besides that. Um, that's going to be tough for people. I mean, it's great if you have like that's two great. or three kids or a you know family member and you guys want to do a little a pod or a group or something. I think that's almost the way you're going to have to do it for as a uh, as a parent or uh, someone who has folks in a, a class to to make it financially yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah. So anything that, that, um, that surprised you in doing your research for this article? Cause I know mean, you, you touched on a lot of different topics and there, there's so much going on in, in what's, you know, in terms of, you know, numbers in terms of financials in terms of what people are doing. And there's a lot going on here. Was there anything that really surprised you in terms of uh, your research? Um, I mean, I think it, it's mostly just, I mean, the idea is, is a little bit, you know, hopeful that, you know, this could be a season that really sort of brings back skiing for a lot of people. Um, I think that the, the realistic view for most mountains is that if they can break even and, you know, sort of stay afloat and sustain themselves for this year, that will be great. Um, but, you know, again, that, you know, for the idea that there's been a lot of, you know, there's been some decline um, in skier attendance, um, within New England, but just sort of nationwide as, as it's gotten more expensive, as, you know, people have had either less money or less time to be able to devote, devote to it. Kids schedules are, you know, more booked. So, you know, you get a kid who's over the age of 10, they're in a sport and it's, you can't take them away for the weekend games are mandatory. You know, it's, it just becomes, um, something that, you know, a lot of families have to give up for a certain amount of time this year, you know, more families are working from home. Kids are not playing sports. They're, you know, if they're in school in an in-person setting at all, like they're, most of them will have long weekends. You could take them up to the mountain um, and they can still do their, their, their school work. So, I mean, I think the idea is that, is that, um, you know, this could be sort of a, you know, back to basics kind of year that gets a lot of people, you know, keeps the skiers that are, have always been the core skiers, attracts people who haven't been able to, you know, do it for certain scheduling reasons. Um, and then maybe brings in, you know, some of the other people, the family members who 
might have, you know, been inclined to sit in the lodge or people who just had never tried skiing, but now have the time and have been cooped up for the, for the fall and don't want to, you know, are looking at a long winter ahead and want to learn how to ski this year. Um, especially at some of those smaller mountains, it's a, it's a great time to do it. So, I mean, that would be a, a great thing. I think for skiing is if it can use this time to just attract new skiers who come back next year and see how fun it can really be. Yeah. And I guess too, you know, places like Saddleback Mountain that are opening, yeah. reopening next week, which have been closed yeah. for five years, maybe not the best time to reopen, but Hey, it's open and that's fantastic. So that'll be exciting that again, another, another nice, another spot that's, that could hopefully get some new people in there and get them falling in love with the sport that we all know and love. Yeah. So do you think that this season could actually be better than, you know, the old world, the, the, the previous generation that we, we all grew up and knew and we knew what skiing was, we knew what at prey was like, do you think it actually can improve or be better with these new restrictions that we're going to have? I mean, better is, is, is pretty hopeful. I mean, I, I am still a person who I love to ski for the beer afterwards, but, um, <laughs> it's, and I'll still be able to have that beer. It's just not going to be, you know, quite the same. And although maybe it will be, you know, I'll still be with my, with my family. It'll, you know, be in a different setting. The people at the next table will be in the car, right? You're not, you're, <laughs> you, got your, you always got a pocket, you know, so always say it's yep. coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's, um, there is, you know, there's so much about the camaraderie and the community, um, that we're not going to lose. You'll still get, you know, the, you'll still get the music at the, at the base. You'll still get the, you know, the feel, the crowd to still get to be outside on a beautiful day. Um, I think that it will be, you know, if it's possible that you can go on a Tuesday when you had never been able to go on a Tuesday and see, you know, the mountain and, you know, when you can sort of, um, and not have the, the line experience that you might've had if you were, previously only able to go on a, on a weekend or on a holiday weekend even, uh, and to ski, you know, some of those, some of those trails when, um, when you're, you know, just one or two others on them, I think it's a beautiful experience that a lot of people, you know, who have had more rigid schedules in other years, haven't, you know, hadn't been able to do so in that sense. Yeah. It could be a, you know, a year that we remember as, you know, that, that great year when we had the mountain almost all to ourselves. I'm sure there's going to be some people that are working remote from the mountain. They're like, this is the best time ever, you know, Yeah. take off days. There's, there's no other, you know, place to vacation. So while they're there, they're just taking days off and skiing midweek. Well, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a great thing about having a house and having a pass is that you remove the pressure to get in, you know, six or eight hours, whatever you're trying to do in one day, you can go and you can ski, you ski in the morning, a couple of runs, go inside and, you know, and have no, you know, do it again in the afternoon and have no pressure. Um, so yeah, it's sort of a lifestyle thing. We know some of those hardcore, uh, you know, Massachusetts dads who get their kids out there. They're like maximizing the amount of time on the mountain. Yeah. Like I paid for this pass. You're going to be on here from the first chair. So that thing shuts down Yeah, <laughs> and you're not getting off. So that's going to be, uh, there's going to be some of those this year. Yeah. I yeah. think, uh, I think too, like it's going to make us appreciate what we had, you know, I, uh, there's hopefully we don't, this is not the new norm. Maybe like I said, it's an exception. This is, you know, an asterisk year, hopefully. And I, I know this summer, it made me really appreciate all the days that I had last year. And in the past, just the simple times of, you know, going out, I went to magic, uh, my last days this year, uh, in March on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And I got there at 10 30, I booted up in the car. I went from 11 until they closed the chair down one bathroom break. And it was one of the best days of the year by far. 
And I yeah. thought about it so many times during the summer. Cause I'm like, you know what? I could have just went to work that day and would have been a good little compliant little boy, but I decided to take a day off and I had one of the most wonderful days. And it's been fueling me this whole freaking quarantine and lockdown about like just getting back on the snow and be- realizing that it, it's going to be there. You know, it's, this yeah. isn't the end of skiing, which, yeah. you know, a lot, some people, there was an article we talked about a few weeks ago in Bloomberg. It said, going skiing is a terrible idea right now. You know, very sensationalist headline. I don't know what, I didn't research the author and their point of view on things, but it's one of those things that it's, it's easy as someone who doesn't do this, who doesn't love this sport and thinks of it as part of their life to just say, don't, just don't go. It's better off not to do it. I think the mental damage of people who love skiing and not skiing is going to be way, way worse than whatever is going to happen or the sacrifices we're going to have to make to get back on the snow. Yeah, a hundred percent or just even anybody who's, you know, spending the entire winter now indoors, I think, uh, even if they've never skied before or don't know that they're, that they would like it. I think there's a, there's a real, you know, deficit. There's something that goes, <laughs> that goes wrong when you, um, when you don't, when you don't leave the house or you, you know, you are just sort of, you know, cooped up and, and I think more than ever, this will be an important year for, you know, for people to get out. Um, but you know, those, I think, as you said, you know, those, some of the best ski days are the ones where you, you know, you're like, you're going to ski one more day or like, let's, you know, let's make a call in the morning and just like, oh, let's just do it. And, and, and those, you know, often are the best ones. So I think there will be, I mean, there, there's going to be both requiring, you know, some planning ahead. A lot of ski mountains will require that you make a reservation. Um, it's always a good idea to buy a lift ticket online. Anyway, you're going to get a better price. Um, but just, you know, for capacity reasons to, you know, let them know that you're coming. Um, but it's, you know, going to be easy, or I think for a lot of people to, you know, sort of take a look at the day and say, like, let's just go up and do it. Yeah. I think this is going to be the year of everybody looking for the positive and everything and looking on the bright side of things. Cause you know, like Brian, while you mentioned that article, you know, Lissa's article had, you know, there's a lot of benefits to, to skiing is you're bundled up. I mean, you have face covering yeah. normally. You know, like people are like, oh, you got to wear a face covering when you ski. I'm like, yeah, I already do. I have a balaclava that I love, you know. Yeah. yeah. You're already so. socially distancing on the mountain. You don't want to be close to anybody. It's, yeah. it's really the perfect sport. Yeah. Uh, and then if, you know, if you have places that have uphill travel, which I know some, some of a lot of the smaller ones do, maybe not some of the bigger ones, that's going to, that's, that's a home run right there. I think, uh, I think Suicide Six said, you don't even have to make a reservation. You just come and you can just skin right up and yeah. enjoy your day. Which, yeah. you know, and seeing as how much the backcountry uh, all-terrain gear has been selling this this preseason, it's, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be doing that, which is great. Again, wonderful exercise, a really great way to truly experience the mountain. And again, social distancing, no problems. It's It, it seems like a home. Yeah. yeah, I mean, skiing in general, I think it is pretty safe. I'm a pretty conservative, you know, person for, you know, regarding COVID in general, I don't feel any, any trepidation, you know, for going and for my safety. I think it's, um, you know, you, as I think I said, you know, there's, there's just only, there's only so far, you know, so close you can get to another skier on purpose and, (laughs) and they're already going to be, you know, like, and, you know, sort of changing the lift line situation anyway. So even, you know, in those situations where you could have been in a lane next to somebody, it's, that's not going to exist in the same way. Um, so I just had a thought on the hot tub thing. What about like those individual barrels? You know, like you see in cartoons, <laughs> just get yeah. like a whole bunch of six foot apart barrels and you put everyone there and they're, they're together, but they're separate. 
I think there's a lot of great things. I mean, Spruce Peak was one of the, you know, mountains. I mean, they're not doing, I don't know about the barrels, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of resorts are doing, you know, the same sort of things that we saw last winter where, you know, igloo seatings, um, a lot of outdoor, you yeah, know, cabana setups down yeah. low, you can reserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun ways to, um, to be able to get people, um, you know, eating outside and, you know, still hanging out and being in an atmosphere that feels special and, um, and wintry, but is, is warm and safe. Our favorite one that we heard that we're excited about, Yurt Village at Yurt Snow Village. Basin in Utah. <laughs> They're having a Yurt Village mid-mountain. Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds awesome, right? So well, I think some kind of outside, you know, it works out. I think yeah. some of these some of these creative ideas are going to become, you know, they're going to be taken along, not not just as a memento of 2020, but as like a a new way forward, hopefully, if they're good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's happening with everything. You know, we're doing this. Uh, you know, we've been doing uh, remote. You know, Brian and I, because we've been in different locations, even when we were both in Jersey, uh, we were doing remote because, you know, just work schedule and stuff like that. But now it's become so common that, you know, this is available. Like you mentioned, you know, you could do Uber Eats, have a pizza delivered to you at the mountain. You know, uh, there's, there's so many things that have come out of COVID that are going to be better for us in the long run. Uh, so there's a lot of positives that'll come out of it, but, you know, trying to get through that adversity, right? Yeah, no, I think so. All right, Alyssa, so we have just one final question. We can wrap this up. Um, do you have a favorite ski and après ski spot? Uh, well, so we're, um, um, I live uh, just south of New Hampshire, so I'm, I'm mostly a main skier. Um, so we do um, Sugarloaf if we're feeling ambitious and we can, you know, have a little time, um, but you can do it in a day trip. So Sugarloaf is, is my top fave. Um, Sunday river, um, would be the second for the skiing, but I really love, you know, Sugarloaf and, and as far as, you know, at, at prey, um, usually it'll just be sort of like a beer at the bag and kettle or up at the, um, at the moose. But, um, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean that would, and I, and I also ski a live a friend in, in Stowe. So, um, Stowe is sort of on the fancier side for me. Um, I like a good classic rock vibe, but, um, but you know, it's a great mountain too. So. What would your spot be? Your at spot at the, uh, at Stowe? Oh, it's still, um, I don't actually, I don't know. I think it's actually mostly when I'm there, I'm with friends. So we just go back to their place. So it's private, private party, right. private party. You like and you'll still be able to do <laughs> that. Do that this year too. So yeah. yeah. The only place I know is the Matterhorn, which is actually, I've only been there once and it was awesome. So that's that's yeah. the only answer i've been like oh yeah that place is great because it's the only place i've been to yeah nice all right awesome so Alyssa, if anyone wants to check out your article how can they find it you can find it online at bostonmagazine.com um and it's also in the uh november issue which is probably just about off stands but um possibly still able to get hurry up and get it the article is called let it snow it's fantastic it'll help you get you ready and excited and fired up for the season if you're not already so Alyssa, thank you so much for your time we do appreciate you're it you're welcome Thanks. have a great so weekend right, you too bye okay. all right we hope you enjoyed the interview we will have the link in the show notes at skibumpodcast.com that's going to wrap up this part of the podcast so thank you so much for listening check us out skibumpodcast.com we are available on the socials twitter instagram facebook at skibumpodcast Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Go to your favorite podcasting app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. All, all of them. Rate, subscribe. We'd really appreciate that. Really help us out. If you want stickers, hit us up, Instagram or our email. 
And hopefully you'll check out the other part of the podcast, the Under the Ropes version. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Stay high, stay fluent. See ya. <laughs>